She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, hey, guys, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. Welcome to another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Here we go. Here we go, go, go. Guys, I just turned 41. 41. I have entered the decade of my 40s. <laughs> 40 was fine for me. I was like absolutely not no problem whatsoever. I, I actually really enjoy turning 40. 41 feels a little bit different, a little older. Someone texted me a picture of myself eight years ago, and I'm like, wow, there's a big difference in that. So happy birthday to me. I'm so looking forward to this year. We have so many different things on the horizon. Just recently, I was working on a project for a long time, and God really uh, changed the direction of that project. We've got so many different things that we're working on. So I'm 41 now and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good about it. Being 41, I have learned that there's, you're never too old to do kiddish things. So for instance, I got my ears pierced when I was super young. I am a hundred percent super duper girly. Like I mean, I'm the girl that wears sequins to a football game unashamedly. I'm the girl that'll wear bright red lipstick, you know, to, I don't know, go to a porta potty, like unashamedly. I am not ashamed of being a girl. I love it. I've always loved, uh, you know, dressing up or dressing just a little different or whatever. Okay. When I was a kid, I was the same way. I got my ears pierced when I was super, super little. I don't think my parents did it when I was like an infant. I got both of my girls ears pierced when they were, as soon as they could, after they got their shots and stuff, as soon as they could, as soon as Claire's would allow it, (laughs) they got their ears pierced. And it was great because they've never struggled with touching their ears or anything like that. Like they've just always had their ears pierced. Okay. Grace recently got her ear, her second ear hole poke, her second ear hole pierced. Try saying that. Okay. Three times fast. And I was looking at it and I have a second, second ear holes. I mean, I, I think I did that when I was like 12, when I, I was like, mom, the only thing I want for my birthday is a second ear piercing. So where did she take me back to Claire's? We got another, another piercing in my ears. But, you know, as you grow, you kind of like, I don't know, do I do a second ear piercing? Do I not? Full disclosure, when I was in my 30s, I got my nose pierced and it ripped out one day and it was cute for like 30 minutes and it ripped out one day and it hurt so bad that I was like, I am never doing this again ever for the rest of my life. It's just like, I mean, when you're in your 30s, you're kind of like, this is dumb. Why, why am I going to put up with the pain for this? And hence it grew back together rather, rather shortly after I got it done. But there was something about Grace's second ear piercing this time that I was super into. I was really, I was really a fan of it. Okay. So last week 
I'm turning 41, right? I'm feeling kind of old. I I realize that Cassie, Cassandra, as I like to call her, even though that's not a real name, has been with the ministry for six years, like that day that I was contemplating going to get my second ear piercing because I decided after seeing Grace's, I wanted to do it for myself. So, of course, I can't do it alone. So I take Cassie with me and I'm like, Cassie, you have to get your second ears pierced. And she's like, okay. Like, she's so all about it. She's such a fun, you know, little sidekick. Like, she's like, okay, let's do it. She's always super positive. So I told her, I'm like, we're not going to Claire's. And this is why. I'm almost 41. I do not want to sit in a kid's chair, like, you know, doing getting my ears pierced. I'll look like a moron. I'm not doing that. So of course in Dallas, we're like Googling all these really fancy places. You can get your ears pierced, you know, that, you know, it costs them like $14.99 and they're charging you like a hundred, $200. So anyway, we're sitting there and I'm looking at all these adultish places to get my ears pierced. And now Cassie too, because she's coming with me. And we, we realized that Target does ears piercings and it's so great. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Target. And Cassie said the words I needed to hear. And an RN pierces your ears rather than a 12-year-old at Claire's. You know that's better. It just feels better than going to Claire's and having a 12 or 13, 14, whatever, however old teenager pierce your ears. You know that that is better. It settled really well with my heart. I felt the peace that passes all understanding rain in my heart when she said at Target, an RN pierces your ears. So I'm like, let's go to Target. It's so professional there. The funny thing is we go to Target, we walk in and it's like me, Grace, who you would think Grace was getting her ears pierced, but no, it was me, almost 41 and Cassie, who's, you know, about mid 20. Guess where the booth is set at Target? It's set in the little girl section at Target. (laughs) You guys. So Cassie and I sat in the little booth at Target. We got a free scrunchie because we were good girls getting our ears pierced. And we also got a free dumb, dumb sucker for getting our ears pierced. But I'm literally sitting across from the toddler clothing getting my second hole pierced. And I will have to confirm for you, there is an RN, because she was an RN, that pierced our ears at Target. But the whole, like, I don't want to go where little kids go, kind of went out the window when the whole booth is set up in the little girl section. It was actually kind of funny. (laughs) And so, you know, we just kind of went with it. And I just thought, you know, I've always been 100%, not always. That's not true. I have not always been. In the last 20 years, I decided I'm so sick of trying to please everybody else. I'm going to be 100% me. And so Cassie and I really owned it. And we rock, we rock getting our second hole pierced in the little tiny kids section. But it just, it just reminded me as I'm walking around, like with my 15 year old daughter and saying, Grace, are my ears red? My ears are sore. Do they hurt? I felt like it should have been the other way around, but she was, she's been really good about it. it. It just goes to show that, you know, you're never too old. 
I feel like 41 is old to get a piercing, but, but it's really not. And some of these rules that we have sort of accepted or these ideas that we've accepted are really stupid. And I encourage you, if there's something that you want to do, like get your ears pierced, go do it. Go do it. If it does not break the principles in scripture, go do it. Live your life. If the last couple of years have taught us anything, it's about, listen, do it. Just do it. Take the risk. Get the get the ear piercing, whatever it is that you want to do. But it was kind of a fun story. And that, I, I went right into it today. I went right for it today. But that is what's happening in my life. After the break, we are going to talk about happiness. Happiness. And I got a lot to talk to you about, about happiness. Okay, catch me right after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, it's your girl right back. We're going to talk about happiness. I hope you haven't heard what I'm getting ready to say to you right now because it's stupid, okay? But a lot of us that have been believers for, I don't know, two years or longer, maybe, we have heard this. God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to be holy. Or I'm not happy. I'm joyful. Or, you know, it's not scriptural to be happy. It's scriptural to be joyful. This is the dumbest thing I have ever heard. I Every time I, I hear this, I'm like, what are you, who is telling you this stuff? So stupid, okay? God does want you to be happy. He cares about your happiness. I mean, did you guys just hear my monologue about me getting my ears pierced? I, well, at that point was almost 41 years old. It brought me happiness. It was super fun to do. Cassie and I laughed a lot and Grace laughed at us a lot. Grace was even in the car after Cassie went home with me and she was like, that was really fun you going with you guys. And I'm like, I know, cause we're so fun. It's, it's so wonderful, but we laugh happiness is a gift from our precious father. 
And I don't know where along the way we feel bad about being happy. We feel like we can't, but for, but I'm telling you what, I have met so many believers out there that are mean, that aren't happy. They are not joyful. They can't find the joy in anything. They're certainly not filled with the joy of the Lord or the fruit of the spirit of God. I don't know why I can find so many believers out there. They don't smile. They're like, we're Christians and we love Jesus. And it's like, oh my gosh, tell that to your face. It's so bad. I was caught up in a situation a couple of years ago, several years ago, actually, it involved my children. So I will be incredibly vague about this situation, but there was um, some people that were involved in the situation with my children. These people work for the public and they belong to a church and they were so mean. They were so mean. (laughs) It was one of those situations where I'm like, I cannot believe you call yourself a believer being this mean about the, the situation that we're dealing with. Let me tell you something. God wants you to be happy. He does. It is okay to be happy. I had a guest on, I think it was last year, and he wrote an entire book about about happiness. It is okay. I am finding though right now that based on what we've been through, it's hard to find things to be happy about, okay? And that is what I want to talk to you guys about today. I want you guys to learn the disciplines on what it takes in order to live a happy, joyful life. My family and I, my word of the year this year was laugh. If you remember, I told you a a long time ago, my, my word of the year is laugh. My family laughs all the time. We find things to laugh at. We find things in our world that we think are funny. For instance, yesterday, my husband got in the car and he had four boxes of cereal. I thought that was funny. Why did I think that was funny? Because we had 10 boxes of cereal sitting in our pantry. And I said, why in the world did you buy four boxes of cereal? His response was because they're 20% off. That was funny to me. We laughed about that forever because it was so stupid (laughs) that he bought all this cereal. We didn't need the cereal. Anyway, I thought it was funny. We laughed about it. My kids think it's funny just because my husband is kind of has a funny, quirky personality. We find things to laugh at. We find things in our world that we can be happy about. Okay. I don't know why this is like this, this even needs to be talked about. When our world is crumbling, when our world is so, there's so much pressure in our world externally, we have learned how to not put all of our value, all of our mental capacity, all of our everything on what's happening to us. We look inside of our family for things that can make us happy and laugh. Sometimes Haven, my daughter, my baby daughter Haven, walking down the stairs is funny. And we laugh at it, okay? We find things, things that maybe other people would overlook, we think are hilarious. My son Moses, 
you guys, I, I have never in my life heard someone that sneezes so violently like this child. He will sneeze and then he sneezes, he sneezes like seven times in a row. Like I'm literally worried that his head is going to explode when he sneezes because he sneezes so violently so many times in a row. We think that's funny. He thinks it's funny. I'll take videos and send it to people, to my family, because I'm like, look at how many times Moses sneezed. We find stuff within our family that makes us happy. We do not put all of the pressure of happiness on what is happening to us. It is a learned trait to walk joyful and to walk in happiness, okay? And what I want to do with you guys today, I'm gonna be a teacher here for a second. I'm gonna put my teacher hat on and I'm going to teach you and we're gonna walk through some scriptures together. I want you guys to understand that there is a way in order to train or retrain your mind on how to be happy, okay? You can do this. If you're walking around all the time and you're like, I'm a Christian and you never have anything good to say and you never laugh and you don't smile and like the the cry, laugh, face emoji is not one of the ones that you send all the time. Well, maybe you need a little refresher in what happiness uh, and how to be happy. This is something that is incredibly relevant. It deals with our mind because what does Satan want you to be? He wants you to be miserable. He wants you to be mad at God. He wants you to be judgmental. He wants you to look at the situation and find the worst thing in every single thing that comes at you. He wants to steal your joy. His job is to steal, steal, kill and destroy. That is his job. If you're not laughing, if you're not enjoying your life, if you're not laughing at little things like your son sneezing seven times in a row or your husband when he buys four boxes of groceries because they were 20% off, which is so crazy because they'll probably go stale before we even eat them. If you are not finding things in your life that spur joy and happiness, Satan has won. He has won in your mind. Believer, Christian, follower of Christ, God does want you to enjoy your life and he wants you to be happy. And there are ways to do that. We are going to talk about several of them right here. Now, I've got a lot of scripture unapologetically for you today. I don't want you to just hear what I say. I want the scripture to back up every word that I say. You might, if you're driving or whatever, because I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm driving, you might want to go back and refer back to this these these scriptures and write down what is in them. We are going to go to my boy Paul, okay? Now let me tell you something. My husband and I have dealt with a lot of trials, trials that you'll never know about cuz I ain't going to tell you. So did Paul. Paul's were about 50 trillion times worse than mine. <laughs> He was shipwrecked. He was been by a snake. He was in a prison. He was, you know, all the things. Okay. But almost killed. I don't even know how many times. And yet he learned how to train his thoughts to be joyful, to be happy, to rejoice. He knew how to do that. Paul, we don't got nothing on Paul. If Paul can learn and train his mind how to enjoy his life, so can we. It is, so can we. We do not have 
an excuse not to. I'm going to read to you this little gem in Philippians, okay? You've heard it. You know it. I'm going to read it. And I'm going to literally give you a roadmap. I, I, I'm going to be like your Siri today. I'm going to be your your British guy that tells you when to turn on ways, okay? I'm, I'm going to be your navigator today, all right? Here we go. Philippians 4, I'm going to tell you how you can be happy and enjoy your life especially in times that we're living in right now. Philippians 4. Here we go. Four. Uh, four. I'm going to read this whole passage of scripture and we're going to go back. Philippians 4 says this. Hmm, rejoice. This is a command, guys. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. It's a command. Rejoice. Where do we rejoice? In the Lord, always. And again, I say rejoice. It does not say you have to rejoice in every trial that comes your way. No, we always have a reason to rejoice. We rejoice in the Lord. Is God always good? Yes. So no matter what's happening to you, girl, you still got reason to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will, he repeats it. Again, I will say rejoice, exclamation mark. Verse five, let your gentle spirit be known to all people. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And if you do that, the peace of God, which surpasses all un, uh, uh, comprehension, my, my uh, Bible says, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now listen to this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good report, if there is anything excellent and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. I'm going to keep going because we're not done yet. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Yes, I'm going to give you a list of things that you have uh, ways to be happy. And the peace of God will be with you. We're going to keep on going. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. I'm going to make this point here in just a second. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being fulfilled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering needs. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Last verse and I'll done. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. Okay, I just read for you a giant Bible turkey sandwich, okay? This is like a meat sandwich. We are going to break this down 
Because Paul tells you very specifically how to be happy. What I said before I started reading the scripture is this. He experienced so many things that you and I probably never will. Maybe you'll be bit by a snake. I don't know. I hope you won't. That would be awful, okay? Maybe you'll be shipwrecked. I hope you won't. The likelihood of you dealing with everything that he had to deal with in his life, pretty slim. If Paul can learn how to be content, to be fulfilled in every situation, so can you. And he gives us the blueprint and we're going to hit it right now. The first thing he says, uh, verse, verse eight says this, verse eight tells us how. Everyone wants to tell me, okay, Autumn, I hear. I need to be more happy, Autumn. I'm so miserable. I need to be more happy. Yes, you do. You do. Okay. But the Bible tells us how to do that. Verse eight is going to say this. Here we go. He says, rejoice. Let your spirit be gentle. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious. Everything in prayer and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God and the peace of God passes all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Then he says, finally, this is how you do that. This is how you're not anxious all the time. This is how your spirit can be gentle. This is how you can rejoice. Verse eight, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellent thing worthy of praise, dwell on these things. That's the first one. Number one, you got to dwell. You've got to retrain your mind on what you dwell on. Are you dwelling on the last post on social that you saw that terrified you? Are you dwelling on that phone call that, you know, someone was gossiping about you? Are you dwelling on something that may or may not happen in five years? What do you dwell on? You dwell on something, okay? You, you dwell on something. But Paul says right here, this, this is where your mind should rest. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report. If there's anything excellent, worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You guys, I dwell on the weirdest stuff. Like I'm, I'm telling you, I've struggled with anxiety 20 years ago, debilitating anxiety 20 years ago. So I got bird feeders for my backyard. Now, does my husband hate them because the bird poops everywhere? Yes, he does. But you know what? We just clean it up. It's fine. I got bird feeders. Why? Because birds make me happy. I grew up in Indiana. The state bird of Indiana is the cardinal. And you're welcome. I just taught you something if you didn't know that. I'm a, I'm a Hoosier over here. But cardinals remind me of growing up in a simple time where there were beautiful red cardinals everywhere. I put bird feeders with bird food in it right out my back on my, my patio. We have a couple patios, one by the pool and then one right out our back. And you know what they're filled with? They're filled with bird food that will attract cardinals. So 
I'm like the dorky bird lady that goes out in the morning, has my coffee, and gets to dwell on something that is lovely. I'm also obsessed with hummingbirds. I know, I'm a weirdo. But I have a hummingbird feeder out back because there's something so beautiful and lovely about a hummingbird that I just like. It brings me peace. Having four kids, fighting the enemy 24-7 with spiritual warfare, doing what I get to do in ministry. I have got to have a place where my mind dwells that it's not on the horrors of what's happening to me or around me. I have found a place and places where my mind will dwell. My husband, this Mother's Day, he's like, what do you want? And I'm, I have weeping willow envy from our neighbors because they have a beautiful weeping willow. <laughs> I just think weeping willows are so pretty. You're going to see how dorky I am. I'm not really 41. I'm more like 74. <laughs> but I love their weeping willow. And so I'm like, babe, I need a weeping willow for Mother's Day. He bought me three because that's, the way he is. We have weeping willows all over our backyard. But I'll sit at times when I've had a really stressful day or a really hard conversation or a really hard counseling session when I'm trying to help someone. And I'll watch that weeping willow and it brings me peace. It makes my mind stop at something that is lovely, something that is good, something that God created. Okay. The first thing is dwell. Dwell on the things listed in Philippians 4, 8. You've got to train your mind what to dwell on. Otherwise, it will dwell on the stupid social media posts that may or may not be true. Do you know what I'm saying? Okay, good. Let's move on. I know what I'm telling you to do is hard, but you can do it. You catch the thought. If a thought comes in and you start going 90 to nothing in a bad direction in your mind, it's going to stop you from being joyful. It's going to stop your happiness. It's going to stop your contentment. So you've got to catch the thought, stop the thought, and retrain your mind to dwell on things in uh, Philippians 4, 8. The second thing to do is practice. I want you, I want you, I want to read verse 9 to you, Philippians 4, 9. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things. Now, what is he talking about? Uh, and the peace of God will be with you. Practice these things. He's talking about what he talked about in Philippians 5 and 6. Let your 4, 5, and 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything in prayer and supplication, let your request be known to God. He's talking about that. Now that you're dwelling in the things, your mind's dwelling in things you need to be dwelling in, now you've got to practice. You have got to practice rejoicing in the Lord. You've got to practice being anxious for nothing because you know that the Lord is there. You've got to practice using a gentle spirit, not a harsh spirit with people. Um, now that you're dwelling, now you need to practice. And he says, practice what you've seen in me. I've showed you. I want you to practice what you've seen. So we're dwelling. We're practicing. Verse 11 uh, gives us the next one. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. He goes, I know how to get along with humble means. 
I know how to live in prosperity in every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I have learned the secret. And then he goes on. So the first one is dwell. Dwell on these things. The second one is practice. Practice what I just told you in Philippians 4, 5, and 6. Practice rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. The third one is learned. And he tells you in verse 13 what he has learned, why he has learned to be content, how he has learned to be content. He says this, this is the secret, you guys. This is it. This is the money. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, this verse is so powerful because it gives us the context for how to live with a peaceful mind. When he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we have quoted that verse millions, billions of times probably <laughs> since, uh, since, since we had the verse, since we had the Bible. It is in the context of his mind that he uses it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which means I can be content no matter what's happening to me. I can be joyful. I can rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. No matter what's happening to me, I can do these things. I can dwell on good. I can dwell on truth. I can dwell on beautiful things. I can do these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me is given to us in the context of Paul's thinking. I can think the right way. I can live a life of joy and I can consequently live a life of happiness no matter what is happening to me. I am going to find the lovely, the pure, the true, the right, the excellent, whatever is worthy of praise. I am going to do that. And you guys, that is the secret to living a happy life. Knowing this, you can go through, work through, conquer anything through Christ who gives you strength. Anything through him. When you live, and I know we've all heard this, and maybe some of you guys are like, oh my gosh, I wish you'd shut up. Listen, when we live this, we've heard this, but do you live this? I know a lot of people aren't living Philippians 4 because they it's like white noise. I know a lot of people aren't living Philippians 4 because I, I've met people that are like so mean and they call themselves believers. This is how you can live a life of joy and happiness. You can laugh. You can enjoy your circumstances no matter what is happening to you because you can do it through Christ. You can dwell. You can practice, you can learn, 
And ultimately, you can live. You can retrain your mind and you can train your mind to be happy. You absolutely can do that. The tools are right here in scripture. Remember, Satan wants you to be unhappy. He wants you to be negative all the time. He wants you to be judgment all the time. He wants you to correct everyone all the time. He, want, he wants you to be just, you know, cynical all the time. He, 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 he takes glory in us if we act that way. God wants you to live a life where you enjoy it because of the secret. You can go through, think through, process through, conquer through anything if Christ is your strength. I know we're going long today. I've got two examples that I am not, I'm not, I'm going to continue to go long. I want to give you biblical examples of what I'm saying women in the worst circumstances ever who chose to praise, who chose a good outlook, who chose a happy outlook, even though they were faced with horrid, horrid circumstances. In second Kings, we, we meet the, the Shunammite woman. Okay. I talk about her a lot because I identify with her a lot. You can read the story for yourself. I am going to give you kind of the Cliff Notes version here. In 2 Kings, we see a woman who had prepared a place for the absolutely great prophet Elisha to come and to stay whenever he was doing ministry in Shunem, okay? She was a wealthy woman. She had basically everything that she wanted. Uh, Her husband was pretty successful. And we know that because she had the money to literally build Elisha a room to stay in when he passed through Shunem. Elisha wanted to repay her. And he said, what, basically, what can I do for you? And she didn't answer him, but his servant said, I know what she wants. She wants a son. She wants a son because she can't have a son. And Elisha told her, he, he brought her into to the room where he was. And he said, this time next year, you're going to have a son. Guess what? She has a son. Okay. He's a teenager. So she's, she's had the son for a long time. Elisha made good on his promise. God made good on his promise to her through Elijah. Elisha, excuse me. And when he's a teenager, he goes out, he's helping his dad in the field. And all of a sudden he says, my head, my head, this is in the scripture in second Kings four, he says, my head, my head. And he goes into the house lays on his mom's lap, and he dies. Totally dies. Dead. This woman's response is a real-life example of Philippians 4. When she goes and tells her her husband, I got to go to the great prophet Elijah. I got to go. I got to go. And he says to her, and I'll read it. He said, why will you go to him today? 2 Kings 4.23. It is neither noon nor Sabbath. Her reply was this, it will be well. It will be well. It will be well. We talk all the time about Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. 
I love the way Joyce Meyer puts it in her book, Battlefield of the Mind. She says this, all things are not good, but God works all things together for good. This is what Paul was trying to tell us. He wrote the book of Romans. So this comes straight from him, Romans 8, 28, inspired by God, of course. But when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he knew that he could do all things through Christ, no matter what they were, who strengthened him, because he also knew all things would work together for him for good, because he was called according to God's purpose. The Shunammite woman could look at her husband and say, this circumstance is not good. I'm not loving this, not happy about this. But I can look at my husband in the face and say, it will be well, because I know that God will use this for his good. He will turn it around for his good. So she was able to look at her husband and personify this verse and say, it will be well. It will be well. And guess what? It was well. Elisha came back, prayed over the boy seven times, laid on top of him. It's like a whole thing. He set up, resurrected back to life. The Shunammite woman held the secret that we need. I can do this through Christ. All things will work together for good. Those promises are not just cliches, they're verses, they're promises in the scripture that will enable us to live a life free of negativity, uh, cynicism, anger, discouragement. Those verses are promises that we can cling on to. And the Shunammite woman knew that. She personified the verses that Paul spoke about so many years later. The last one, and then I'll close with this is Mary. Mary's awesome because she said yes to something she probably could have said no to. The angel comes and sees Mary and he says in Luke 1, he says, you were chosen by God to carry the Christ child. I am totally autumn paraphrasing it here. You're chosen by God. You're going to carry the Christ child. Name him Jesus. And Mary's like, how can this be? Blah, 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 blah. You know, how can this be? I've never been with a man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you and you will be with the child. Mary's response to that request that could have very well cost her her life was this. Behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And then in Luke 1, 46, she praises God for something that's going to happen to her or probably had already happened to her. She'd become pregnant with Jesus, even though that would cause her to face extremely difficult circumstances on the outside of her. She starts like this. And Mary said, Luke 1, 46, my soul exalts the Lord. What did Paul say in Philippians 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And my spirit, verse 47, Luke 1, 47, has rejoiced in God, my Savior, 
for he has regard for the humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. And she goes on and on and on. How could she do this? How could her response being such a young person being impregnated without a husband in a day and age where you do not do that, or you could be stoned to death. How could she rejoice in the Lord? Because she learned. She knew. God gave her the grace to know. All things are going to work together for good for her when she is called according to her purpose. The reason I say anyone who says God doesn't want you to be happy, he wants you to be joyful, is ridiculous, is because of these examples. It's because of what he shows us in scripture. He knows these principles that Paul put, put, puts forth and these personifications of these verses that Paul puts forth in Philippians 4. He knows that they have learned the secret to happiness. It is not based on a fleeting circumstance. It is not based on a trial going away. It is not based on you finally getting married. That could cause happiness, but but that's ultimately not going to have you live a happy life. The way that you do that is understanding that you can deal with, go through anything through Christ who strengthens you. And that for real, for real, for real, everything that happens to you, if you are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28, he will work out for your good. With those promises, you can retrain your brain or train your brain how to find things to be happy about. Because you know, ultimately, no matter what's coming at you, God's going to take care of you, right? Y'all, I love this message. I hope you did too. I know we went long. Share it with a friend who (laughs) maybe needs it. (laughs) I'll be back right after the break with a question from one of y'all. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, girls and boys, we are back with a question from you. Okay, 
Now I'm going to give a little backstory on this question. We pulled this question from my Instagram. I put up stuff all the time. Go follow on Insta, if you will, at Autumn Miles. You'll see my fluorescent blonde hair. I put up this quote and this is what it says. God's promises aren't like the world's. He fulfills them to the fullest. The world slash people have a tendency to break promises or not follow through. God won't. Don't make the mistake of looking lightly at a promise of God, doubting whether he will make it good or not, comparing it to the way the world promises and quotes things. This is where the questions come in. When you follow God's process for the promise, it is as good as done. When you follow God's process for the promise, it is as good as done. Now, I put that in there on purpose. <laughs> there are roughly 8,000, and that's very roughly. There's there's lots, there's, there's more than that. I don't know the exact number, but I do know there are more than 8,000 promises in the scripture. I think 7,000 something is to humanity itself, but there's, there's th- bottom line, there's thousands and thousands of promises in the scripture. In the scripture, there is almost always a process to receive the promise. For instance, it says in the Psalms, ask and I will give you the nations. What's the process? Asking. Okay. Uh, there's there's a verse in Chronicles. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. The promise is I'll hear the, heal their land. What's the process? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. That's the process that leads to the promise. Okay. Malachi gives us another one about giving. Okay. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Okay. I actually want to read that one to you. Let me find it in scripture. You guys give me two seconds. Let me, let me, let me find it for you. Malachi says this. Malachi three, verse eight. Will a man rob God? (laughs) This is super direct. These minor prophets, they do not play. Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? His answer, in tithes and offerings. Verse 9, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. This is the process to the promise I'm about to read to you. Verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Verse 11, then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor the vine, nor nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. He says, I'm going to open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. But what's the process? What's the process to that promise? Bring the whole tithe and offer a tithe. He says tithe. I'm not adding offering because he only says tithe. Bring the whole tithe 
into the storehouse. That's the process for that promise. You guys, when I talk about processes for the promise, that's what I'm talking about. When you are claiming a promise of God. Now, there are some promises that he gives us, you know, <laughs> just he just gives us because he's good. Okay. There are some promises that we get. Um, there was a promise with uh, that I was going to adopt children. Well, I had to go through the process of adoption in order to get my adopted children. I had to do that, okay? If you want children, you have to go through the process of having them, getting pregnant, having the pregnancy, all this kind of delivering them. There is a process to everything. And it's the same in scripture. So when I say, a lot of people said, what process are you talking about? Well, I can't really answer that question unless you tell me what promise you're claiming. Look for the promise in scripture and see what the process is to get it. And that's what you follow. And I'm telling you what, I have literally walked with the Lord long enough to see him do exactly what he says with his promises when we do exactly what he requests in his own processes, okay? That's the question from the day. I hope that helps. I'm going to pray for y'all. And then we're going to say, we'll see you next week. Lord, I just, I thank you for everyone who is listening today. I thank you that you are a good, good God. I thank you, Lord, that you talk about happiness, especially in the Proverbs. Lord, I thank you that you want us to be happy. I thank you that, that there is a roadmap in order to get there. God, I thank you for the examples of Paul and the Shunammite woman and Mary in scripture who rejoiced in the Lord always. And again, they rejoice because they have learned that you're going to work things out for their good. So with that off the table, Lord, they can choose happiness because you were their God. God, I pray for that person right now that is sitting in a critical spirit that is sitting in cynicism, Lord, that is sitting in frustration, Lord. They're so discouraged. They don't even know where to start. God, I pray. I pray for them right now as they're listening, and they're probably maybe even a tears dropping from their face because of it. Give them the grace to retrain their mind on dwelling on good things. Give them the grace, Father, to do that. Help them, Lord. Show them how, Lord. Do for you what you've done for me. I pray that today they would find something to laugh at, something that makes them happy, even if it's stupid. Like my second whole earrings. <laughs> Give them the grace. Restore the joy of their salvation to them today. And I just pray for your hand of blessing over this podcast. I pray, Lord, that everyone that hears it, Lord, would gain something from your word, from your spirit. We are desperate, so desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen.
Y'all know I love you so much. I will see you next week for another episode of the Autumn Miles Show. All right, I'll see you then. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Autumn Miles Show. To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show.